Good morning, church. How's everybody? Good, good, good. We are glad that you're with us today. Again, if you are with us online, thank you so much. We will try to make this as painless as possible. So we are glad that Jay and Colin are back. And I know that's a lot of answered prayers on a lot of our parts. So uh, we kind of talked about some of that last week. And that is due to some diligent prayer on, our, on the church family. And I appreciate you doing that. So we're going to continue this week. Uh, you can turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Last week we kind of started a two-part series on a relation, relational ministry. Uh, before I get too much into this, you are going to have to excuse me today. It's too hot up here, so I did not put my jacket on, so, uh, and I had, I'm going to keep my sleeves up, so uh, maybe my blood pressure, I don't know, so we'll see. If I fall out, just uh, Josh, you or Colin, or somebody just come on and take over. So Lamont, you laughed, so you're coming up, so <laughs> the notes are right here, brother. So anyway, last week we looked at the relationship and how we relate to each other. Um, and we saw the need uh, to recognize the faithfulness of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We saw also the need that we need to pray diligently for them uh, and to recognize the work that they do in the ministry for the Lord. Uh, you know, sometimes we get so focused on what we're doing, uh, and sometimes, I, you know, if we were honest, we probably think we're doing a lot more than what we, we're doing a lot. You know, we think we're doing a lot. But then uh, when it gets down to it, are we, what are we really doing? We get so focused uh, that we don't really see what everything else that's going on by our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Uh, so we need to make sure that we recognize, recognize those things and follow their example in faith, hope, and love. And we saw that last week. Uh, this week, and really those are all horizontal relationships, if you will. Uh, and within this local assembly, the relationship that you have with your brothers and sisters of Christ is also going to mirror the relationship that you have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to that point this week, our pastor, and you know, I didn't know if Jay was going to be here or not, so you can just pretend he's not here. Uh, and he, he may fall asleep before it's over, so that'll be fine. But um, this is not intended as any kind of shot at anybody in this church. This is, as far as I know, there are no issues with anybody in this church and with Jay or anybody else. Uh, this is just where what God led me to preach. So, um, you know, God needs to speak to us, and we need to allow God to let him do that, regardless of where we are or what we're doing uh, and then the circumstances that we are today. You know, this is a message that's been on my heart for a few months now. We all went, some of us went through a pastoral procedures class back, um, I guess, earlier in the spring, and I have to give a shout out to Kenny Morgan, one of the associate pastors at Midtown Baptist. Uh, he, I borrowed some of this. I didn't lift all of it, but I borrowed some of it. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, and so we need to kind of keep that in mind as we go. So with that being said, let's dive in today. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Amen. All right. First Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13, it says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I am so thankful that you've allowed us to be here today. I'm thankful uh, for the time to sing, to lift your name up. I'm thankful uh, for just for the update that Josh gave as well and the Collins family and the, and the work that they're doing. Uh, I just pray that you would bless that, dear God. I pray that uh, you would just have your hand uh, over everything that they do. 
And right now, dear God, I pray that you would be the teacher. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move me out of the way. Help me uh, just to let him teach us. Don't, I don't want anything uh, of my opinions. I don't want anything of my circumstances. I don't want anything else, but uh, thus saith the Lord today. I want you to be able to have free reign in this place today, so I need you to get me out of the way. I know that I'm not worthy to stand up here. I acknowledge that before you and for this congregation, but you are so worthy. And I pray, dear God, that you would help us and teach us today. And all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So, your first point today is going to be recognition, uh, letter R's for you, for those that like to keep score. Um, so, recognition, and notice in the passage that it says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them. Uh, know them is the key phrase there. And so, I would ask you, and you may say, can you ever really know a person? Can you? Well, I would answer that question as a, as a yes. You know, I've had, and this may get emotional, and that's okay. I didn't plan on him being here, so. Uh, I've had the privilege of working beside Jay for nine and a half years now. Um, we've worked together, we've played together, we've ate together, talked together, prayed together, laughed and cried together. Uh, I would say the only per- people in this church that know him better than me is probably sitting beside him, his wife, and his mother, wherever, and right there in the back. Uh, we've, been, we've been through a lot. Now, obviously, not everybody here has had the honor of that kind of relationship with him, but there is an unequivocal way that you can know him, regardless of what your relationship is. Uh, and I'm just going to call some names out right now. Lamont, Walt, Dave Sunwall, Josh, Jack, Jason, myself, Derek, David, Colin, Alex, all of these men are in his discipleship tree in one way or, or another, have, have, have completed discipleship. That's because of him. And it's because of the Lord, him allowing the Lord to work through him. So that's how you can know that man that's sitting there in the front of you. Okay? Um, that's how you can know him. Matthew 7.20 says that, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So that's how you can know him. Uh, Philippians 2, 25-30 says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be the less sorrowful. Verse 29, this is the key in this. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. So what I'm saying here, a relationship with your pastor, regardless of who he is, is a two-way street. It's not just your pastor's responsibility to chase you down every Sunday. He's got a lot going on. Trust me. It is just as much your responsibility to build a relationship and to know your pastor as it is his. Uh, So keep that in mind. Um, So what are the characteristics that that should be there so we know them? Well, I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is going to be long, but I want you to listen. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. And look at this list. In much patience, in afflictions, 
in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonment, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting. Everybody ready to be a pastor? Let's keep going. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as have nothing and yet possessing all things. That's what a pastor is. That's what, pa- that's what a pastor does. That's a pastor's job on a daily basis. Uh, there's another passage where Paul talks about all the beatings and everything that he's went through. And when he runs that list, and at the end of it, he says, and besides all this, the care of the churches. So that comes at the end, after, he, after everything that he's been through. And how should we know them? And when we know them, what should we look for? Well, we should look for the labor that they do among you. Labor goes in your blame. First uh, Thessalonians 2.9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. First Timothy 5.17, Let the elders that rule well, and we'll, get, we'll cover some of that and what that means in, in a little bit, that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So what are they supposed to labor in? Well, it tells you there. It's word and it's doctrine. It's the word of God and the doctrine of the, of the scriptures. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says, if thou, be the put, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. 2 Timothy 1, 13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I know what you're thinking right now. Well, Jay does a lot more than that, you know. Uh, but this is what he's called to do. That, all that other stuff's icing on the cake for you guys. Uh, so everything that he does, this is what he's supposed to do. This is what he's supposed to labor in, his word and doctrine. Holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught, that he might be by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. And lastly, 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so he labors in word and he labors in doctrine. And, but it doesn't end there. It says that he's over you in the Lord. And everybody loves to have a boss, right? Sure. Well, guess what? That's God's intent, not yours and not mine. Uh, it says that he's over you in the Lord. Uh, so at the judgment seat of Christ you're going to be glad that he's over you in the Lord. You're going to be glad that you have a pastor that's been over you uh, because you can stand and not be ashamed because of the investment that he's made in your life. Second uh, Chronicles 19.11 says, Behold, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord. Uh, Jehoshaphat was, had this, he laid all this out for them. He said, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And Amariah was the chief priest, and he was over them in all things. So somebody's got to be the boss. And you pray to praise God that it's not you. I know that I do. Because um, there's a lot of things that go over the plate. Uh, Colossians 2.5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 13, or 14 and 33, For God is not the author of confusion, the peace as in all churches of the saints. And it goes on in verse 40. It says, let all things uh, be done decently and in order. 
So there has to be an order to this. You can think about a military, uh, for those of you guys that served in the armed forces. Uh, not everybody was the general, right? Not everybody was the, was the captain. Not everybody was the sergeant. Uh, the sergeant. Not everybody was the private, the corporal, uh, going and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, you have to have chiefs and you have to have some Indians, right? Um, and so that's, that's it's God's idea, it's not ours. And there has to be order. And so your first key, it only took me 15 minutes to get there. That was pretty good. So first key today, the pattern of elder leadership in the local assembly is biblically mandated. Now, that elder is the same word that's translated as bishop. It's translated as overseer. Those are all three roles that are in one. And you can add shepherd in that if you want. Um, but that's God's plan. That's, God, that's God's design and that's God's, God's pattern. And so, by the way, that means that a church led by deacons only is not following the God-ordained mandate. They're not. Uh, so, you know... No offense to, I've been in some of those churches, uh, and maybe you have too, but it's God's idea for elder leadership. Um, and so Hebrews 13, says, 7 says this, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. 17, same chapter, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Uh, so at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, Jay and every pastor that has pastored a church will have to come up and give an account of how they've shepherded each member of that congregation. And that is a huge responsibility. Huge responsibility. Uh, and so, you know, if you don't follow this book, and I know Sam Miles has said that, I'm just going to follow the word of the Lord and let, every, let the chips fall where they may. Uh, and so that's what we have to do because they have a rule over you, and it doesn't stop there. It says for you to submit yourselves, and everybody loves to do that, right? Uh, you know, and all the husbands are like, yeah, my wife's supposed to submit. Well, guess what? You're supposed to submit too, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, today we struggle with our, ethnic, or our gender identity. All right, you know, we don't have to struggle with that here. We all know that we're supposed to submit to that man right there because it says so. Okay? Uh, Exodus 17, 9 and 10. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur and went up to the top of the hill. Joshua didn't ask for a play, he didn't ask for an explanation. He didn't question what Moses told him to do. He didn't say, "Hey, why don't we try it this way?" Or maybe we should talk about this. He did as Moses told him to do. And so just so we're clear, the leaders and I should make suggestions to Jay when he asks, and only when he asks. But we are called to follow his leadership, not the other way, way around. Joshua, Moses didn't ask Joshua what to do, did he? Here's what you're doing. Because he had had instruction from God, and that's the key. Uh, the pastor has to have instruction from God, and when we see that, and we see the fruit that we talked about, then your answer should be yes, sir. Okay? 
Exodus 24, 13, and Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of, the, of God. And so what we see that is a progression from Joshua saying, uh, I'll do this, without him saying yes, then he never goes up. He never grows spiritually because it's always going to be a red flag with God. It's always going to be where he's digging his heels in, and God's gonna, not going to give him anything else to do till he's, he's able to submit to his pastor. Or to, in this case, to, to Moses. Um, you know, 1 Samuel 8, 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. And God forbid that we do that. You know, God forbid that we, have, we see clear instruction from our pastor, and eh, we're just not going to do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it our way. God forbid that we do that. You think about in Acts 6, uh, when you see the deacons... Um, brought in because of a murmuring between the Grecians and the Hebrews over the, uh, the widows. <laughs> Peter and the other apostles didn't say, would you guys, you know, we'd like it if you did this. And, you know, they said, we need to be about the word. You're going to do this. Once they had instruction, that's what they did. Uh, and so, you know, it says whom we may appoint over this business, not, you know, would you guys like to. Uh, they had clear instructions, so we should leave it at that. Next is admonish you. Admonish you goes in your blank. Uh, and that admonish is just a big word for, you know, giving instruction or an order or a direction. Uh, you can see this in Jeremiah forty-two nineteen. It says, The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Hebrews 8 and 5, who serve under this example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. So in other words, he had clear instruction uh, of what he was supposed to do. And, you know, before we get too much of an idea that, you know, Jay's or your pastor... Anybody, any pastor can run around like a dictator. Well, that's not what, it, that's not what he's supposed to do. That's not what he's called to do. Uh, and we need to be able to, number one, receive that instruction. Uh, we need to be coachable. I can remember in, in football, you know, I, I always thought I, I knew better than the coach. In baseball, I always thought, well, let me throw this pitch, coach. Or, you know, uh, no, you just throw what I told you. No, no, you run the play like I told you. Uh, we have to be coachable. We have to be leadable. Um, and we have to also be able to admonish one another. Romans fifteen fourteen. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. So we need to be able to receive instruction and direction from each other. Because guess what? You don't have it all figured out. Guess what? I don't have it all figured out. And I'll let you... Shh. Jay doesn't need There's only one God does, though. And so we need to be able to hear that instruction from him and respond accordingly. Um, sorry, Jay, I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag on that. My apologies. So, Yeah. <laughs> uh, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, and you see this going on. You know, the, We see scriptural examples. Uh, the things that were written so we don't make mistakes, so we have clear instruction from God. You see that in 1 Corinthians 10, you see it in Ephesians 6 and 4, in the nurture and admonition of your children. So your second point, point number two, uh, regard. Regard goes in your blank. 
Let's go back to the verse there. Thank you, Derek. And it says, And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. So the key phrase there is to esteem them. And when you think about the word esteem, we're just, I'm going to give you some examples. Job 23, 12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So I have one thing, I have another thing, and I have valued one thing over another thing. I have said that this is more valuable than the other thing. That means to, that's what it means to esteem something. That means to judge it or value it. Philippians 2, 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And so when you go back to the verse, it says to esteem the pastor or esteem the, the shepherd or the bishop or the elder, to esteem them. So in other words, you prefer them. In other words, you submit to them. In other words, you look at their life and you value it. Uh, so your next key, the office and the roles, roles filled by the pastor are to be respected. You know, it says in First Timothy that anyone that desires the office of a bishop desires a good work, right? So when you have a person that desires that office, it is a good work. It is something that is to be regarded. It's something to be valued. Uh, it's rare. Uh, and it says to esteem them, not only that, but to esteem them very highly in love. So you've just added another notch to it. Very highly in love. Why? Because of what he does and what he's been called to do. Uh, you look at 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 7. Well, I think we'll have two more long passages and we should be done as far as the long one. So look at the relationship between Jonathan and Saul and David. Uh, David was, was God's anointed. He had, Saul, had, God had already taken his, the spirit off of him. Uh, because of Saul's rebellion, and he had placed his anointing uh, on David. David was going to be the next uh, king of Israel. And Jonathan recognized that. And you talk about being put in a, in a precarious situation when you have Saul, who's a picture of the Antichrist, as your father uh, telling you to kill God's anointed. Uh, and so that's a tough situation. Uh, Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. Jonathan had the spiritual discernment to know uh, what God was trying to do. Uh, if you look at it, and he goes on in verse 6, it says, uh, verse 5, For he did put his life in his hands through the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and did rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. Saul swears the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And of course Saul went back on that. But um, Jonathan called David and Jonathan showed him all those things. And it goes on, the relationship that develops. 1 Samuel 18, 1 says, came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Do you love your pastor that way? Do you? Do you love 
any of your brothers and sisters in Christ that way. We're called to. Uh, we need to be knit together. Colossians 2 and 2 says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Uh, we're called to be knit together in love. Uh, you better get used to each other. We're going to spend a lot of time together. You, this, is, this is just a snapshot. Uh, so you better start learning to love each other. Uh, you know, and we're, I think we're all working on that. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, but we also have to be careful of, I would say, the words we say and how we say them. Numbers 12, 1, and 10, 1 through 10. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And you know, regardless of whether they thought that was right or wrong, they didn't have the right to question it. Um, and, they had, and they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not also spoken also by, not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, and above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and to Aaron and Miriam. And you don't want the Lord speaking suddenly to you, trust me. Uh, uh, come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and, and they three came out. And not only, God didn't just speak from where he was, and the Lord came down in the pillar. It's kind of like when you, you do something at home, and you're, you don't know, Connor, I see, yeah, I see you. So you don't know if your parent, your dad knows about it, or you don't know if your mom heard it, and all of a sudden you, you hear the feet, right? Well, that's what happened. The Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then we were, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and, you know, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And so not only was it not enough that the anger of the Lord came down, not only was it not enough that after he spoke to them, it said that he departed, um, Miriam became leprous because of it. Um, why? Well, your next key. We must be very careful how we speak to and about the pastor. I'm going to let that marinate for just a second. And again, I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in this church. You can let this land wherever it lands. If you're going home... And playing bash your pastor every Sunday, stop it. Regardless of who the pastor is, stop it. You know, if you're setting him up like a piñata every Sunday, you know, and, and seeing what all will fall out, you know, with your words and your actions, stop it. Uh, we have to be very careful. Do you... It's very clear the anger of the Lord will come down on, on you, just like he would uh, with Miriam and Aaron. Um, we have to be very careful how we speak to and about him. 
Uh, 1 Samuel 24, 6, it says, And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. Again, this is David talking about Saul, who again is a picture of the Antichrist, whose God's anointing has already left him. David knows that. Solomon or Jonathan knows that. They all know that. But yet, David is scared to, because he is still the king, to stretch his hand against him. Because he still is the king of Israel. And because he, was, he had the anointing at one time. To stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Uh, so, there you go. Um, be careful. 1 Timothy 5.1 And you can read this passage and look at it. and see, Maybe it's talking about age. Maybe it's talking about the elder as the pastor. Pastor. Um, it can be both, I think. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. So Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 25.11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Um, so my wife tells me this, says it this way. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You know, I, I have an issue with that sometimes. You know, the filter doesn't, it's the tone and how you say it, and maybe the look on your face when you say it, or the, Tammy's worked with me, she knows. So, um, And so, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's the tone. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So we need to speak in a way graciously towards our pastor uh, there's some things you just don't need to say to him I've had to learn that over the years uh, you know I'm it's kind of the open mouth insert foot sometimes uh, but you can't just say anything you want to to him you can't you know he's going to try to be as gracious as he can with you just like and but there's some things that you just better left unsaid and you can put it another way if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Because it just said that we were supposed to esteem him very highly, so we should be able to find something nice to say to him in a way that's pleasing to the ears. Why? Next point, for their work's sake. Works goes in your blank. And what is the, what is the work of the pastor? Ephesians 4.12 says... For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is it in a nutshell. I can remember years ago when Jay told me in his ordination service, they asked him, well, what is the work that a pastor's called to do? And he quoted this verse. Um, that's just what he does. It's for perfecting your life and your walk with Christ, uh, enabling you to do that for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Second uh, Timothy 4, 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Um, so I have some questions for you, and you can you don't please don't answer out loud. Uh, number one, would you say you are your pastor's ally, or are you his adversary? What would he say? Does he know that you have his back? Does he know that, you know, if you have to go in the foxhole, is he going to be the one with you? Or are you going to be one with him? Or are we, are you speaking of backs, are we stabbing a knife in his back? 
do we bring him comfort or do we bring him discomfort? So in other words, when your name's brought up, you know, is he thankful? Is he, uh, like we talked about last week, remembering your labor, remembering your faithfulness, remembering your love, remembering your hope, are those the things that come to his mind? Or is it, you know, other things? Well, there's clear example in Scripture with this, with Paul. Uh, first one is in 2 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13. It says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. So do you have that type of relationship where if he doesn't know where you are and you're okay, if he doesn't know that you're here, uh, does he have no rest in his spirit? Is he, does it bring him concern? Uh, or would it be more like this, Second Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So in other words, would your conduct towards your pastor look more like Titus? Or would it look more like Demas? Have you forsaken the work that God's called you to do? Or are you participating? Are you engaged? Um, you know, you think about all these men, Alexander the Coppersmith, another one. Um, these guys are recorded for all eternity for not being faithful to Paul, to the Lord, to their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How would it be recorded for us? If, if the Bible just kept going, obviously we know it doesn't, but if it, if it just kept publicly going out, where would you stand in that? Where would it fall? You know, just because God, is, his revelation is done, guess what? He's still keeping an account. He's still keeping score. Uh, and one day at the judgment seat of Christ, it will all play out. Uh, and so we need to be mindful of that. Your last point. Uh, last point is rest. Y'all good? Praise the Lord. Sobering, right? Um, you know, and this is something that's been on my heart for a long time. Uh, and, you know, I told Jay when I was going to preach, or when he told me I was going to preach, and he told me I was going to preach. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I he told me he was going to be gone, and I told him I'd be glad to do it. So, uh, Our relationship has grown a little bit. So, um, But I told him this was what I was going to preach on, uh, regardless of whether he was here or not. Uh, and so, you know, just there you go. So last is rest. It says it, be at peace among yourselves. And if you go back to the passage that we looked at earlier, uh, God is the author of peace. And so if you don't have peace, well, guess who the author is? It's Satan, right? And we saw that last week, uh, that God does not want any schisms, uh, any division, any, any quarreling within the body of Christ, regardless of what our role is. Um, and so we are to be at peace among yourselves. Mark 9.50 says this, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. Uh, and you look at salt as a, if you go back and study that out, 
what salt represents. It represents a covenant. Uh, and salt is one of those things that, that in its proper, you know, um, I would say in its proper quantity, is very pleasing. But you put just a little bit too much, and you've, you've pretty much ruined whatever you're eating. Uh, you know, and what's interesting about salt is it varies from person to person. Some people would have a lot of salt, and that would be perfect for them. Some people would have just a little bit of salt, and that would be perfect for them. And so we need to learn our brothers and sisters in Christ and how much salt we need to use with each person. Uh, we need to learn how, how much salt we need to use with our pastor uh, so we can be at peace. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it is pleasant. Uh, and I'll be honest, you know, again, I don't, I'm not casting fingers at anybody here today. As far as I know, we are in unity, and praise the Lord for it. Uh, this is just where we are. So Colossians 3, 14 and 15. And over, over all these virtues put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity. Uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, uh, for to this you are called as members of one body, and be thankful. So your last key. In order to let the peace of the Lord rule in our hearts, we must submit to and love our pastor. And that's always going to be an issue if you can't do it. It's always going to be something that's going to come up, and everything that he does and everything that he says is going to get on your nerves. And you're going to be miserable every Sunday. Until you reconcile this, uh, we have to be able to submit and love him, whoever the pastor is, uh, whether it's Jay, whether it's anybody else, uh, because God has called us to. James 3.18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know, Galatians 6 says that you reap what you sow. Uh, and so if you're sowing discord, if you're sowing disunity, if you're sowing um, those things, well, guess what you, you're going to reap? It's the same things. Uh, so uh, we're going to let you close your eyes real quick. We're going to have just a little bit of some questions for closing. Um, you know, obviously your relationship with a pastor means nothing if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and maybe everything that I've talked about today, everything that's went over your head. And it ha if it has, so be it. Uh, but I don't want you to be leave here today if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, are you sure that if you died today, you would spend eternity in heaven? Are you sure? Have you settled that issue? And if you're not, please don't leave here today without doing it. You know, it's very simple. All it takes is admitting you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus paid your sin debt when he died on the cross of Calvary. Praise the Lord. You must believe in the death, burial, and resurrection according to the Scriptures. Then simple confession that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's all it takes. Uh, it doesn't, you know, and you may have prayed that prayer. You may have said some words uh, at some point in your life. Uh, but, you know, head knowledge and heart knowledge are two different things. You have to understand and accept those things. Uh, and Jesus will save you. It's very, scripture says so, and not because... Uh, of any feeling that you may have or anything else. It's because of the saving power of Jesus Christ. He can do that today. 
You know, and lastly, if we are saved today, do we esteem our pastor in love? Do we honor him because of his work as our pastor, not because of any righteousness, uh, uh, anything good in his flesh, uh, because of the roles he has and the work that he does for the Father? You know, if we don't honor him, if we don't esteem him, if if we don't do those things, well, why don't we? You know, and perhaps we need to pray that God would help us to do that today. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're not going to have a song today. Uh, I'm going to let Jay come up if he wants to share for just a few minutes. Uh, Dear God, we love you. Uh, Thank you for everything that you do for us, dear God. And I do pray uh, that we would take these words to heart today. I'm I'm thankful that they're not my words. I know this this congregation is as well because your words are so important. I want your word to have free course in this place today. As we, as we have heard from you, uh, I pray that we would take those words to heart and we would apply them to our life today. Help us to esteem our pastor. Help us to know him. Help us to uh, appreciate the labor that he does in word and doctrine and, and to reverence him before, uh, because of what he does. Uh, not because of, again, because of what he is in his flesh, uh, but simply because... Uh, you work through him, dear God, and I pray that you would continue to do that. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for uh, the ministry uh, that he has uh, performed at this place. Uh, with, he has the fruit to bear the record uh, that he has done a good work, and I pray that you would continue to use him. Help us to be obedient and submit to him uh, as you lead him, dear God. Help us to follow his faith, uh, knowing the end of his conversation. Help us to uh, be there with him in the trenches, no matter what it may, he, what it, what you've led him to do. Uh, help us to, you know, when we see the vision, uh, to embrace it and to uh, enable it and and work through it, dear God. We thank you, uh, thank you for everything that you do for us and all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.